Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater week by week and show by show. And Andrew? Yeah? You know what? What's that? I, I don't think you quite understand what's going on here, man. Um, I, I can try to understand. What's, what's the problem? Either you're closing your eyes to a situation you do not wish to acknowledge, or you are not aware of the caliber disaster indicated by the presence of a Music Man revival in your community? Oh, a Music Man revival? Well, you got trouble, my friend. Right here, I say trouble right here in New York City. Why, sure, I'm a Music Man appreciator. Certainly mighty proud to say it, always mighty proud to say it. I consider the hours I spend watching Robert Preston golden. Help you cultivate horse heads, had a cool head and a keen eye. Did you ever take and try to give yourself an unquiet leave with... I was trying. That was me going fry memory right there. You had, um, you had a good, you had a good run there. That was, it was almost, yeah. it was almost something. It was almost something, but sadly, I fucked it up. Which is how I'd also describe the 2021 revival of the Music Man. You know what you, you should have done? You should have started laughing and then did a little jig when you messed up. <laughs> oh yeah, hold on. Either you're closing your eyes to a situation. You- <laughs> 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 the audience is laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wasn't that natural? Oh. Cue the music, Andrew. <laughs> Seventy-six trombones led the big parade with a hundred and ten cornets close at hand. They were followed by rows and rows of the finest virtuosos, the cream of every famous band. Seventy-six trombones caught the morning sun with a hundred and ten cornets right behind. There were more than a thousand reeds springing up like weeds. There were horns of every shape and kind. There were copper bottom Tiffany and horse platoons thundering, thundering all along the way. Bobble bell, euphoniums, and big bassoons. Each bassoon having his big fat say. The Music Man was a musical written by Meredith Wilson and Franklin Lacey, with music and lyrics by Meredith Wilson and Renee Wilson, and now for the 2021 revival, uh, Mark Shaman. Um, the revival opened on Broadway at the Winter Garden Theater in previews on December 20th, 2021, later officially opening February 10th, 2022. The production was met with mixed to negative reviews, but nearly sold out every night of its running, taking in 3.5 million in ticket sales during the week of March 22nd, 2022, more than any show since the pandemic began. The show closed on January 15, 2023, after 808 regular and 34 preview performances. The plot of the musical is, There's trouble in River City when con artist Harold Hill arrives in town. There's only one problem with his plans. He falls in love with the straight-laced librarian Marion. Featuring songs such as 76 Trombones, Trouble Till There Was You, Pick a Little, and Gary Indiana. That is the official playbill description of this revival. Um, Andrew, before we go any further, I do want to read a letter that Meredith Wilson wrote to any director of future productions of The Music Man. And it's at the beginning of, like, the MPI books, and I feel like it's important to read this to contextualize my opinions here. Are you ready? Yeah. He wrote, Dear Director, The Music Man was intended to be a valentine, not a caricature. Please do not let the actors, particularly Zanita, Mayor Shin, and Mrs. Shin, who takes herself quite seriously, 
mug, or reach for comedy effect. The Del Sarte ladies should also should be natural and sincere, never raucous, shrewish, or comic per se. The humor of this piece depends on its technical faithfulness to the real small-town Iowans of 1912, who certainly did not think they were funny at all. Faithfully, Meredith Wilson. This production spat on that and wiped their ass with it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Damn, he just goes for it. Okay. That's a way to open. I, I, I feel like that is me reaching a thesis statement at the start of this, so people kind of know where I'm coming from here. So, you and I have previously done an episode on The Music Man, the original musical, and we also did a Patreon commentary of the 2003 Matthew Broderick ABC film. Yes. So, we have talked about this to great deal, but I feel like I still haven't said my piece, especially when it comes to this 2020s revival, nearly 100 years, or over 100 years after when this story takes place. It is interesting. So, what what's going on with this revival, Andrew? From what your point of view? Um, I guess I might not have as in-depth of a thoughts as you, but mm-hmm. my takeaway was that Hugh Jackman has very little charisma as this character, and um, what was her name? Sutton Foster? Or yeah, she does not know what she's supposed to be doing as Marion. <laughs> like at all mm-hmm. um and the whole entire thing just falls flat because of that and I, I really just think it's it's the music man is so dependent on those leads carrying with charm and charisma that when you don't have it it's just it doesn't work the, the music man just does not work um i also think that uh hugh jackman just doesn't have the voice for this role it feels like he's holding back an accent the entire time. Um, I don't know what his accent actually is. He's like Australian or something, but yep. Um, it feels like the entire time he's trying to hold that accent back when he's singing. All of the songs are like slowed down. I, I, I just didn't enjoy it. I don't know. This is not a good version of The Music Man. I, I don't know what else to say. Let's talk about um, the production history with this show. Sure. So this show was announced in 2019, um, you know, the year before everything shut down. In the time it was meant to open, um, it was going to be produced by Scott Rudin. Then the pandemic hit. A lot of things were thrown into um, Haywire. Um, and also, during that period, um, the Winter Garden Theater had Beetlejuice in it. And they had a contract that was ending. It was dependent on how well Beetlejuice was doing. And when they signed the music man up to replace Beetlejuice, it wasn't doing very well. But then after the Tonys, Beetlejuice numbers upticked. They wanted to renegotiate their contract. They refused because they wanted the music man. And Beetlejuice was basically being evicted despite doing very good numbers. Um, Mistake. Not a good, not a good look. Like visually, it's not a good look. Um, and it kind of bummed out a lot of the fans, which are intense for Beetlejuice. Um, I'm saying this literally the day after I saw the national tour. And there was at least dozens of people dressed in full costume regalia that show hit with the zeitgeist in a way um so good for that um then the pandemic hit and it became a little less apparent what's going to happen with either of those shows but during the freeze of entirety of broadway the show's main producer scott rudin was uh revealed to have inappropriate misconduct behind the scenes of all his shows and was replaced 
And there was a lot of conversation of whether the actors would still be involved if Scott Rudin was involved. But eventually, Scott Rudin was ousted and replaced with Kate Horton. Okay. Um, so that was another thing that came about. But it really brought in a lot of bad mood towards this production, um, the people behind it, and things of that sort. Uh, the pandemic um, ends. The show starts opening. This is one of the most successful shows to reopen, despite, you know, not getting very good reviews. And we'll talk about that when we get to the review section. Um, and <laughs> there was a lot of small, petty things like that happened during its run, um, like especially with its closing. So it announced a closing date. And then Beetlejuice announced the closing date three days later, so it would have outlasted the Music Man. A little bit of a fun petty jab. And then the Music Man extends one date past Beetlejuice. <laughs> so there is still kind of shit that goes on like that. Um, on top of that, um, you have a lot of other things, like Hugh Jackman performing the Music Man at the Tonys while very sick with COVID. <laughs> shit like that. Jeez, Hugh, what are you doing? So, not a great look for a lot of people involved with this show. Um, on top of that, it w- and I wanted to paint that with the context of those things happened, and they're not impacting my personal opinion on this, because that does not... Things like, this could have been the best show ever, and those things would have still happened, and I would try to go into this and still see it objectively. Yeah. Because a lot of people think, oh, you're just uh, positive, you're a Beetlejuice fan, and you had these thoughts. No, that's that's not where I'm coming through this. I came in as a Music Man fan. Um, And this is relying on the star power of its two leads rather than the talent of its two leads. I mean, we're both. We like Beetlejuice and Music Man because you're allowed to do that. (laughs) You are. Sincerely. Um, This show kind of makes me question whether or not I like the Music Man anymore, Um, which I did not expect it to do. Um, It... uh, So, this show both is using its source material to make these actors like fit these actors like personalities, but also deeply is embarrassed of its social source material and ashamed of its source material in a way where it's both trying to take this beautiful like sphere object and make it into a cube, but you can, it just, it wasn't meant to be this. Yeah. And that is where I'm sitting with this, and it's one of the most frustrating watches. And if you haven't already, probably go revisit our Music Man episode where I talk about like a deep personal history with this show and a deep connection with this show. Um, Music Man, quite in depth, is so like quaint. I, I I don't even know how exactly to describe it. It's like it's just it's purely charm. It's it's yes. got this small town charm to it, and that's why it really works. And it feels like they didn't want it to be that anymore. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about it from the start, even. Um, our two leads. You brought up Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster. Hugh Jackman, on paper, sounds like a perfect Harold Hill. Like, without seeing it, I'm like, that sounds like both it would make money and would suit his strength. He has sung um, Rock Island with rappers, and he's really dedicated to this like the greatest showman was basically his audition to be harold hill yeah it, it would it would make sense which is why it's odd that it just doesn't work he i don't know there's so there's scenes where he fits the character like mm-hmm. and it's mostly when he's not singing <laughs> yeah because he's insisting that he's going to belt songs that are meant to be spoken <laughs> 
in a weird yeah. way. Like so many of uh, Harold Hill's songs are just like fast talking, essentially. Like, because mm-hmm. he's a, I mean, he's literally a fast talking scam artist. Like that's mm-hmm. his character. That's the character. But then when Hugh Jackman starts singing, he's like, and it's like, dude, like this isn't it. (laughs) Yes. And it feels like, well, we got a Hugh Jackman. He really wants to sing and dance and be that singy dancey guy. But this song, these were written for Robert Preston, a guy who isn't much of a singer. He was just coasting on personality and charm and talking through the roles, which worked. It worked. Well, yeah, because he's literally supposed to. That's the character. That's what he is. He's selling people stuff. He is he's the the car salesman, the sleazy car salesman that you you find and they're like they talk really fast because they want to get to the, the point of sale as quick as possible, you know? <laughs> exactly. But then it was meant to be co-opted by Marion the librarian, who's this like soaring soprano, Barbara Cook, Shirley Jones, really these like My White Knight is this beautiful, beautiful tune like gorgeous and i think that they reversed their casting because then you've got sutton foster who is charm in a bottle like that is her thing like with from check the trek the musical to um thoroughly modern millie for not being as bad as it is but she is the charming part of that um but she's also a belter more than a soprano she's not a soprano so they had to change the range of this role and change the attitude of this role because Marion and every other production is this stiff upper, like I am better than everyone else. Like, like she, like the entire piano lesson is that she's got this like high standard for how she's living her life. Very type a and Sutton Foster is playing like the, every girl, like the, the cool quirky. I, I wear thick rim glasses. I'm cool. And I'm quirk. It doesn't fit the characters. However, if you had put Sutton Foster as Harold Hill, I would have bought that. <laughs> Sincerely. I think that would have been fine casting. But where she is now, no. And, and Hugh Jackman is this guy that wants to sing these big legato notes. And they give him this fast talking role when he has an accent that he's barely got a hold of. Yeah. Which gives us probably the worst version of Trouble ever. Ever? Yes. <laughs> yes matthew broderick um you you t- sent me a text while watching this with a picture of matthew broderick and thanos saying perhaps i was too harsh on you honestly like the matthew broderick one and i'm not gonna go back and be like oh well, now it's good but it wasn't no. it wasn't good and it's mostly because matthew broderick isn't that charismatic in it um mm-hmm. but like that version understands what music man is supposed to be 76 trombones led the big parade With 110 cornets close at hand They were followed by rows and rows Of the finest virtuosos The cream of every famous band For example, Kristen Chenoweth, a very short, um, very personality-based actress. Like, she is Glinda and Wicked. She is very much a goofy, bubbly personality. She played the stiff, um, better than thou, like attitude of Marion, and sang like an angel in that role. It might have been miscast b- based on what her persona is, but she played the role based on the text on the page. Sutton Foster ignores the text on the page and plays it to her own strengths, and it doesn't fit. The director of of this version of Music Man needed to step in and be like, "No, you don't get to just do what you want to do." you have to play the roles given to you here um, 
for both of the leads, not just Sutton Foster, but also uh, also Hugh Jackman. Like mm-hmm. they slowed down Trouble so that he could sing it. Like slowed yes. it down. And the point of Trouble is, look at how fast he's talking. Isn't that crazy? It's it's mind boggling. Like why would you? It's unbelievable. Is it? <laughs> and the question is, is it because Hugh Jackman couldn't sing it, or is it because they wanted to add dancing to it? Which they did. Every song that Every now has dancing has in dance some break. form. Every song has a fucking dance break. It's crazy. Ugh. And that's not and that's not even talking the quote unquote woke changes to the lyrics and content and narrative. Alright, we're going we're going full Rush Limbaugh now. Let's go. I I don't <laughs> I mean, there's so many other things, but I think this is the thing that a lot of folks are relying on, especially after the cast album came out, is lyric changes, where these people in the text of the story are supposed to be kind of low-down hicks. Um, they are the story takes not place the most in educated 1912. people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, uh... And I think it's... Take a look at the Oklahoma revival that we talked about with Emily Clark a few years ago. Um, where they didn't change a single word, but they changed its meaning. And it means more because they were creative. They wanted to find the least creative way to put on this show in a modern day, and their answer was, anything that could be slightly offensive, we're going to change. Whether it be calling shameless ragtime shameless music and changing it to modern music in trouble, or rewriting all of Shapoopy, a song about a guy trying to basically like wear down a girl that's like playing hard to get um, and make it all about a guy that asks consent a bunch. And the, the point is, Shapoopy in and of itself is not a song that endorses that behavior. It's just like, man, look at how backward in their morals these people are. It bothers me a lot um, because it removes you from 1912 Iowa and brings you to 2020 or 2022 um, where we're putting the values that we have today onto work from almost 100 years ago. Yeah. Which we shouldn't do. We don't do that with Shakespeare. We don't, we reinterpret. We change things. We, we cast based on that. So let's go for a different version of the music man that makes some bold choices but doesn't change a word. Um, Recently, like a few years before this, they did a production of The Music Man starring Norm Lewis as Harold Hill, who is a black man. And doing that one act alone brings a new context to everything. Like that is a bold statement and making this as far as I know, outside of maybe Zanita, there's not one person of color in the main cast. In the main cast? No. They, there are people. They're like ensemble members. Yeah, ensemble but no members. No one like but... with a name. Yeah, no. And. I think that's just cowardly, in my opinion. Cowardly and really unflattering. And then you hide behind these lame rewrites of the lyrics, which... Corporate rewrites, which is different than creative ones. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that there's no way you could rewrite a song like Shapoopy and have it be fun and also not as problematic, because, I mean, admittedly, it's a song that has some stuff in it that you know isn't good i'm not saying there's no way you could rewrite it but the way that they did it is like the worst it's like a corporate hr team got together and was like let's write a song about uh don't do sexual harassment uh and they they did that song and then they put it in the music man so let's think about it like this 
Here's what I would do if I were Jerry Zaks, the director of this, and I was coming in and they were like, well, we got the Shapoopy song and it's kind of got these like non-consent issues. Like, tell, well, a woman who kiss on the very first date is usually a hussy and a woman who kiss on the second time around is anything but fussy. But a woman who waits the third time around, head in the clowns, feet on the ground, she's a girl, he's glad he's found she's his Shapoopy. You know what I would do? We have uh, the comedy character singing this. For each line he says, have a lady slap him in the face. And it would work. It would be it would be comedic as well. And then he he could like it would be he could like stumble it off and be like and then just keep going anyways. Yeah. It would be funny. Um, <laughs> exactly. It would both comment and like, yeah, we know this is inappropriate, but it, it's not putting it in modern terms because they could very well have reacted that way in 1912 times. It's not taking you out of the world you're living in, and it's still playing by the rules of today and addressing that. Yeah, this isn't the correct behavior. Um, I'm sick. Okay, I, I I'm not talking anti woke or anything like that, but I I am sick of the idea that we can't show anyone doing any negative behavior because you would interpret it as an endorsement of that behavior. I completely agree, and I don't think that it's a quote unquote woke thing. No. I think it's a, and I think you cowardly said, thing. Yeah, it's like a you're afraid of the of the backlash because you think you're going to do it poorly or something like that. There needs to be a place to show things that are bad and people like that exist in the real world, you know? And like, especially when you're doing a piece about the past, like tons of guys had these opinions. Like, of course they're going to sing a song like this. (laughs) Honestly, it's, it's tame compared to what some guys today believe. (laughs) Sincerely. Yes. There's no like get in the kitchen things and there's no like, but that being said, there are changes I think are good and don't hurt the narrative of this. Speaking of one, there is a scene in the original version where um, the mayor's wife dresses up as a Native American and they sing like wonton knee and they get rid of it and just make her dress up as George Washington in this one. That is a fine change that I fully endorse and support. That was a smart move. Yeah, because there's no reason to show that and it doesn't add anything. And yeah. And it's not commenting on anything either. It's not say, whereas Shapoopy is kind of like, yeah, this is a, it's not endorsing that. It's a whole thing. And there's an argument. And I think that there, people are going to say like, oh, we just, we don't want it changed at all. And we agree with the problematic. But honestly, I would be fine if they change stuff. I just think that this particular rewrite is fucking horrendous. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But let's take a look at a stage version. So this came out in 2022, was meant to be released in 2020, but, you know, pandemic happened. In February of 2019, Kennedy Center did a production of The Music Man with Norm Lewis, Jesse Mueller. Didn't change a single word. Didn't change a word of the book. No one complained about jack shit in that show. Not a single complaint was registered. No one. It's really just, it's not that problematic of a show. No, but they overcorrect in a way. Like, a small correction. Fine. Like. Getting rid of the wonton e-girls? Fine. Good move. I support. Um, getting rid of ragtime shameless music? Like, he's playing to the racism. That's the point. Yeah. I honestly think that that's fine. And honestly, getting rid of that is a weird change. It's like, what, are we going to deny that people were had those opinions in 1912? Like, are we going to just pretend that that wasn't the case? <laughs> and then, let's talk about things that ruin the structure of this show for a second. Um, So, in our first episode, I talked at length about how beautifully structured this show is by Meredith Wilson and is 
he has a very he he might rely on it a little too much. I'm not gonna lie, but he loves setting up a song and then setting up another song and then showing you that they fit together perfectly. Like that is one of the basic things. So we got first "Good Night My Someone" is obviously 76 trombones, and they show that off at the end. They are the same song, and it's almost played as a twist. Then we have "Good Night Ladies" and "Pick a Little Talk a Little." We set up both those songs individually, then you play them together. They fit together. They are meant to do that. Then we have um. Lida Rose and Will I Ever Tell You. Um, you have Lida Rose set up, then you have a Will I Ever Tell You, then they play together and it's beautiful. There's another song in there. They don't do it. They don't play it together, but I think it shows a deeper connection between these two, which is Sadder But Wiser Girl, which is um, Harold Hill and Marcella singing about like Harold, what Harold thinks he wants in a woman. And then you have My White Knight, which is Marion singing about what she thinks she wants in a man and that they fit together the way they are written. Smile and I grin. When the gal with a touch of sin walks in, I hope and I pray for Hester to win just one more A. The sad of a They rewrote My White Knight, so now it doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> and they made it a patter song. <laughs> Um, because Sutton Foster can't sing in a soprano without it sounding bad. So they they turn it into this really annoying patter song. And My White Knight is such a beautiful number. And I brought this up in our previous episode that even the movie cut My White Knight and rewrote it into Being in Love, which Emily Clark likes better, but I prefer better be- My White Knight because they fit into each other and I have that dumb brain thing. Yeah, stuff like that is like a, just a, a misunderstanding of the, the music, of the the show itself. Can I just talk about this production in general, outside of the cast, the changes, and the basic structure? Sure. Let's talk about the set design, which is very cheap looking. (laughs) I didn't want to say anything, but it's literally just like paintings, and that's it. Like, and that's that's fine, but... I wouldn't know what to say to do for the music man, but I did feel like, what am I paying for here? Just to be spat on by Hugh Jackman? It's literally, yeah, it's like they didn't put any money into the sets at all. Like, I'm trying to think of what set looked the best, and it's probably, honestly, it was probably the train car at the very beginning. (laughs) (laughs) It was either the train car or the gymnasium. Yeah, it's like, after he gets out of the train car at the very beginning, immediately, he, like, walks out, and it's just like, he meets some woman, and there's, it's literally just a painting behind him. It's just like a a field painted, and it's like, really? (laughs) it is very ugly and then actual full numbers are just done against like a wood backdrop oh yeah take for instance sadder by wiser is done entirely just on like a wood backdrop with nothing on it i don't know what they're doing here. i think about how they were very insistent on kicking beetlejuice out which has it's not a perfect show but it has some of the most interesting set designs i've ever seen in my life Oh, yeah. They were going to replace Beetlejuice, which is probably one of... It's not like an amazing show, but it's it's one of the most visually interesting shows on that was on Broadway at that time. And the way that the sets move from one thing to another so seamlessly, like you and I saw that live, it was pretty amazing to watch. And I don't see a reason why Music Man needed such a big stage just for Hugh Jackman to sing You Got Trouble when they could have easily fit it into a smaller stage with a good amount of audience and still sold out every night. Yeah, especially when the 
the sets that the, apparently they wanted to use were literally just like wood backdrops and paintings. You were going to replace Beetlejuice with this? That being said, um, stars are expensive. Hugh Jackman probably wasn't a cheap get. Sutton Foster as well. She's on the continual rise. They had to, they had to spend a lot of money to ruin Music Man like this. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty rough. Um, that being said, was there anything that you liked? Cause I have a couple that I liked. I mean, are we talking, is there anything I liked more than previous versions or just a thing that you enjoyed? <laughs> okay. I mean, I just, I, I like the music man, like the plot mm-hmm. in general. So it works for me in that way. Like it's, it's still mostly there. Like, it's not like they completely scrapped all of the music man and and made some new thing that's Mm. terrible like it is still mostly there um it's just i I don't know i don't think i can say i liked anything because most of the time i'm just thinking damn i'd rather be watching the music man yeah um one or two things i kind of like um i think hugh jackman is a fine dancer when he is dancing he's keeping up and he is not lagging behind he's he yeah that is like one of the things where it's like if he can't sing, he's really good at dancing. And they do um, they do add a lot of dancing. Uh, there's yes. more dance breaks, so maybe that was their attempt to lean into what they do well. But the thing is, Mar- Marion Sutton Foster, also an incredible dancer, thoroughly modern Millie, big dance show. Marion is not a character that dances of her own free will. Yeah. <laughs> so it just doesn't work. That it didn't fit the character, and yet they keep shoehorning her into these big goofy dance numbers. So the whole time I was watching this, I I really felt Mm -hmm. like, and and I think part of it is, you know, we're watching a a version that's, you can hear the audience, you can, you can tell what their reactions are. And the entire time I'm just thinking, this is a show for Broadway tourists. Like, yep. They've heard of Hugh Jackman. That's the Wolverine guy. They're going to go see a Broadway show. They know what the music man is. Um, And then Hugh Jackman shows up and everybody cheers. You know, Hugh Jackman does a little jig and everybody cheers. <laughs> well, let's talk about that for a second. Um, so <laughs> right before we were recording this episode, I did a little little petty post about breaking in the theater. And I'm curious as to your thoughts on this, but let me give the context for this. So in every performance of The Music Man, um, at a, starting at a certain point, um, Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman intentionally break character and start laughing in the middle of a scene like midway through act two and the audience cheers because they think it's a big special moment that only they got to see like oh my god i saw the actors break character that's so crazy but it isn't it's planned and it's there to basically wake the audience up and give them a special broadway moment um and that feels a little cheap and cringy to me especially because their breaking performance is just not that good it's also right in the middle of like a, a dramatic scene where yes. it's uncomfortable and strange that they would suddenly start laughing. Um, it's a scene where he's basically accusing her of having sex with her dad's best friend, which in the context of subtext of it, she might be the fa- true father of Winthrop, but that's subtext. Um, yeah. And it's taken very seriously in every other production because it is kind of like, them talking about their body count with each other sexually. But then you throw in a funny jig in the middle of it and the audience is screaming and applauding because they're bored at a serious scene. It's very clearly staged because he does this actual like choreographed little dance. 
Um, it's and it, it was really strange. I know that you got some pushback on Twitter from it, though, but I don't know if yeah. I I can't say I agree with the pushback. I found it very awkward, and I don't think that it's a good thing to put into your show. Um, so they kept saying, like, well, they did that in Hairspray, and I'm like, I didn't like it when they did it in Hairspray. What's your point? I, my actual thought is breaking like that is a bad thing. Um, you shouldn't break character if you don't absolutely have to. And if you're trying to make a cohesive piece of immersive art, which Broadway shows absolutely are you should never break character you know like that's that's my thought um and if it does happen it should actually be like a a once in a million thing that just you know sucks that it happened but it did and maybe you can laugh about it maybe you can't but it shouldn't be planned i agree it's like snl when the sketch isn't working um like when you just start laughing yeah I don't understand why you would plan something like that, because generally that's something that would ruin a scene and would, you know, break immersion and and all that. And because you're planning it, it's it's just strange. It's very strange because now it's part of the show. Part of the show is that the character now becomes someone else for a couple moments and then goes back to being the character. (laughs) It's like, what is happening? So I called it manipulative and cynical, and just because you've got actors that are slightly charming doesn't make it any less so, which I still stand by. Um, Someone replied, I would argue that theater itself is manipulative. The performers are attempting to elicit emotional response from the audience. I don't see how this is any different. Yeah, um, I don't think I agree. I don't think I agree either. I think that this, especially for a show that has been going on for the most of a century, for a good part of a century, and didn't need a fucking break in it, I, I I don't think that it hel- helps, honestly. Yeah. No, it's you don't you don't plan stuff like that. You don't Yeah. It just shows a lack of faith in the material, which is shown in basically every other facet of their attempt to revive this material as well. <laughs> but who cares what we think? Let's compare our opinions to those of the New York critics when this came out. It's time for previews. It's time for previews. It's time for previews. This is from Jesse Green of the New York Times. He wrote this review and he said, There comes a moment in the latest Broadway production of Meredith Wilson's Music Man when high spirits, terrific dancing, and big stars align in an extended marvel of showbiz salesmanship. Unfortunately, that moment is the curtain call. (laughs) Until then, the musical, which opened on Thursday night at the Winter Garden Theater, only intermittently offers the joys we expect from a classic revival starring Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster, especially one so obviously patterned on the success of another classic revival, Hello, Dolly, a few seasons back. Jackman mostly suppresses his shaky charisma here. This is not a star turn like Dolly Levi, or for that matter, Peter Allen in The Boy From Oz. Instead, he seems to see Hill as a character role, a cool manipulator and traveling horn dog who is being unprincipled, but so, but also, also be unlovable. The me- result is a smart and strangely inward performance. By turning away from the audience, he not only undersells big numbers like he got trouble, in which Hill spellbinds the citizens of River City into believing that the recent arrival of a pool table called caused juvenile delinquency and that a boys band is the solution, but also undersells us. As a town librarian who sees through him immediately, Foster does not have that problem. Her take on Marion is witty and front-facing throughout. She fully commits to the seriousness, but also to the size of the comedy, 
letting it arise from the big eternal conflicts of a woman with standards too high for her own happiness. Though Foster can sing the required notes, she really is a belter with a mezzo quality to her voice regardless of the pitch. In her high-flung song, she works too hard to force the bloom when what's needed is ease and exuberance. My White Knight, an aria that is usually a rangy highlight for the role, is performed here in a lower key and as fast as possible. It comes off less as a stratospheric dream than a street-level race, making Marion sound and thus feel pretty much like everyone else, <laughs> as stated earlier. Yeah. I suppose you could argue that an old-fashioned show deserves an old-fashioned staging like the kind that worked for Dolly, and it's certainly true that The Music Man, as written, includes some antique elements that give us pause today. This production rightly omits, for instance, the wanton e-girls and the local wigwam of the Hiwatha and their Indian war dance. Even though such ludicrous appropriations are authentic to the setting, a musical comedy needs to not be a documentary. But omit too much, and what's left is texture. Um, running shorter than its advertised length, the revival cuts a lot, eliminating even minor details that might cause offense. The boy who is secretly dating the bo- mayor's daughter is no longer one of them, um, the son of one of them day laborers south of town, presumably because the suggestion of class prejudice is too hot for a comedy to handle in 2022. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. That's a good catch there. Wow. Same with the show's treatment of men's casual harassment of women. You can't really remove it from the main story. Hill's modus operandi involves seducing piano teachers and leaving them flat. At one point, he refers to Marion as his commission. In light of that, it seems foolish merely to change a lyric here or there. In the dopey dance tune Shapoopy, the couplet, the girl who's hard to get but you can win her yet, has suddenly become the boy who's seen the light to treat a woman right. What world are we in? If we're going to keep selling classic shows, we have to find meaningful new ways to package them, even for the best salesmen among us. And Jackman surely is that. The territory is changing fast. Yeah, this... I think they they nailed it here, honestly. Yeah, Jesse Green doesn't always hit it, but this one, he, he hit hard, and I agree with almost every word they say. Yeah, and oh my goodness. It's just, it's so... It, it's true, it's so weird that they would change to Poopy, but the show, like, the show requires that. Like, that is part of the tone of the show, like, that Harold Hill is um is someone who treats women that way. And sure he he learns to treat one woman right, but like why are we going to cut this song and make it into this weird 2023 progressive anthem stuck in a show that is surrounded by people that have the exact opposite attitude at all other times. At every other point in the show they have the exact opposite attitude, but then Shapoopy shows up and now they have this attitude. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's horrendous, um, sincerely, as someone that w- watching it was not a fun experience, <laughs> um, and it really wanted it to be. They sincerely wanted this to be the feel-good show that, like, oh my god, the energy, and oh my god, everything. Um, if I'm going to be positive, I really like the kid actors. I thought, like, all the like little kids running around the stage, I was cute. They were fine. Yeah, that's... You're you're reaching now, though. I like the mayor, and I like Marcellus. I thought they played their roles well. Um. All right, time to compare our opinions instead to the folks on Letterbox.com in the game one star or five star. All right, Andrew, I'm going to read you real Letterbox reviews, and you have to tell me whether they were a one star or five star just based on the review alone. Are right, you ready? I am ready. I laugh, I cried, I shapoopied. Five stars. That is correct. 
Robert Preston is so sexual. Nut. Five stars. That is correct. My mom was insistent that we needed to study up before we saw Hugh on Broadway. <laughs> uh, one star. That is correct. He's a what? Five stars? That is a one star. I thought that was a reference the- to the show, so I figured it would be. <laughs> it was. The boys band at the end is half four-year-olds and half 27-year-old professional dancers. That's true. And five stars. That is a one star. Fuck. How do you not like that? I don't know. I was on the phone for half of it. Kind of wish these songs were on Spotify. I thought they are. Are they not? Um, not this version. This one's the Matthew Broderick version. Oh. <laughs> okay, one star for the Matthew Broderick, Matthew Broderick version. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably the giveaway there. Yeah. <laughs> and the final one. Amaryllis is a bitch. Five stars. That is correct, and you have won Breview's Letterbox game. I wasn't competing against anyone, but I absolutely won. I definitely won. <laughs> All right, let's go into a mid-show and then talk about some of these songs. Today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors at Patreon. Check out our Patreon if you want to donate some money and keep our show running. And also check out some extra content that we have. We have uh, full commentaries on the Rugrats movies coming out. Um, So definitely go and check that out. Our current patrons are Melissa Goldman, Danielle Rennix, Justice Stampede, Ewan Cassidy, Monica Thoreau, Mina Maneri, Brent Black, Nathaniel Stacey Coom, Joseph Evans Green, Mary Lou Choquette, John Vanals, Russ Walker, Musical Hell, Kyle Summers, Janae C., Scoot in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, Liz Lim, Nothing is Certain Except Beth and Taxes, Thesbian, Ren Cullen, Raphael Martinez-Salaz, Jessica T., Mitchell Young, Chai Teacup, Katie McDonough, Chris Marcote, Kiji Marie Anastasio, T- Trevi Joseph, Leela, RJ Nariga, Charlie B., Bjorn Hermans, Erica S., Toriana Frazier, Sammy the Most Lopez, Liana Morton, Kylie Blazier, Cinemageddon Reviews, Villainous Miss, Sophina Ali, The Omega Geek, Paige Pearson, Maddie Wargle, Eliza Erdman, Anna Loskatova, Cheska Veray, Sarah Den Blaker, Evan Ball, Zachary Torres, Gathering Party Before Venturing Forth, Rora Marasso, Mara Forloin, Captain Rodtastic, and Lisa L. These folks give us a little extra financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. If you would like to join them in supporting us and get all these fun perks, um, come join us over at Patreon. Rugrats? Rugrats, I did mention it. Okay, let's get back to the show. So, a lot of these are fairly untouched. But let's talk about You Got Trouble really quick. Ah, you're Mr. Dunlop. Yep. Either you're closing your eyes to a situation you don't wish to acknowledge, or you're not aware of the caliber of disaster indicated by the presence of a pool table in your community. Well, you got trouble, my friend. Right here, see, trouble right here in River City. Why, sure, I'm a billiard player, certainly mighty proud to say I'm always mighty proud to say it. I consider that the hours I spend with the cue in my hand are golden. Help to cultivate horses and a cool head and a keen eye. Jeff, take and try and give an ironclad leave to yourself from a three-rail billiard shot. Just as I say, it takes judgment, brains, and maturity to score in a folk line game. I say that any boob can take and shove a ball in a pocket. And I call that sloth, the first big step on the road to the depths of degradation. They say first, it's a little of medicinal wine from a teaspoon, then beer from a bottle. And the next thing you know, your son is playing for money in a pinchback suit. And listening to some big out-of-town Jasper telling him all about horse race gambling. 
not so much. Holy fucking shit. This is... I mean, I said it earlier. This is probably the worst version of Trouble ever. You literally... You don't feel that they are... That it's actually being sold. Like, you don't feel that anyone would be like, this guy has a point, you know? Because he doesn't have that kind of charming, quick talk to him that, like, keeps it going. Because the reason why he's talking so fast is so no one else can get a word in. Exactly. He needs to be going past everybody and then everyone's like getting riled up about it. It just, it doesn't feel like that's what's going on. Like, there is a difference between either you're closing your eyes to a situation you do not wish to acknowledge or you are not aware of the caliber of disaster indicated by the presence of pool table in your community. And either you're closing your eyes to a situation you do not wish to acknowledge or you do not are unaware of the caliber of disaster. Like, there is a different there is vibe. There's a very different vibe. And this is Harold Hills and Hugh Jackman's, like, first big number. Yes. And it does not sell the show at all. <laughs> like, this is, it's bad. And I think it colors the rest of Hugh Jackman's performance for the rest of the show. Because the whole time I'm just like, oh, this is that, like, slow-talking fucking snooze fest guy. <laughs> it really and maybe it's because they wanted to add dancing or something to it but it's somehow i don't know it just leaves you feeling empty inside by the time it's over let me talk about a 76 trombones for a second well you can't play music with a piece of paper 76 trombones led the big parade with 110 cornets close at hand hooray hooray that was great, Squidward. All those wrong notes you play made it sound more original. What? I didn't play any wrong notes. They were followed by rows and rows of the finest virtuoso. Yeah, see, you're playing it like this. The cream of every famous band. When ordinarily it goes like this. 76 trombones led the big parade With 110 cornets close at hand I'm partially doing it in the key of A minor myself 76 trombones led the big parade With 110 cornets close at hand They were followed by rows and rows Of the finest virtuosos The cream of every famous band Specifically the opening, like like, he gives this long monologue, like, where he's like, I can deal the trouble friends with a wave of my hand, this very hand. Like, that monologue's fine. But when he gets to, like, the proper song, where he gets to the chorus, he does it at acapella to start with. And that is horrifying. Because, it once again, it defeats the purpose of bum ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum bum bum da 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 ba And it keeps that energy going. And so this is like bum ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum Silence. Like, it leaves no impact. There is no, it's a build to nothing. Yeah, it's like, and I, I think what they were going for is like a crowd pleaser moment where it's like Hugh Jackman, the guy on stage, and it's listen to his voice by itself, but it doesn't work. Because <laughs> that's not, the show is not about that. The show isn't about how good Harold Hill can sing. Or whatever. Well, the if show it was, is, he wouldn't even be doing that. It's it's about <laughs> the energy that he brings to the town and how he is selling a, a boys band to this town that doesn't need it. And you don't get the feeling that he's really convincing anyone because he's not convincing the audience. <laughs> it's 
Yeah. And sincerely, the problem with Hugh Jackman is there are moments Hugh Jackman plays very well. It's none of the salesman moments. No. It's usually when he's um with uh Marion that I think it works a little no, better. No, I don't even think that. You know when it really works? Really? When he's with Winthrop. That's when he works. Uh, that is probably the best, you're right. I just I don't think any of the scenes where he sings work very well. Yeah. Except Sad About Wiser Girl, because that's like a proper song, but even that, it's not good. I want to talk about My White Knight for a brief moment, if you would indulge me for a second. I know you have a lot of complaints here, so why don't you, why don't you just... Like, do you remember boom. that song from the Broadway show? I don't remember it well, because I'm more familiar with the movie. Right. That, I mean, that's perfectly fine. I'm gonna actually, because I don't want to compare, <clears throat> like, two cast recordings, because I feel like that that's not really a fair. So I'm gonna compare two productions so I'm comparing Sutton Foster to the last Broadway production, which is Rebecca Luker. May she rest in peace. Um, who played Marion. So here's Rebecca Luker singing My White Knight. Not a Lancelot, nor an angel wings, just someone to love me. Calm soprano, very like pleasant to the ear, like very different sound than Harold. Well, very different than Harold Hill, probably in this version where he's a fast talking, yes. every song is a patter song kind of thing. And then you, you have this version. All I want is a plain man, a modest man, a quiet man, a straightforward and honest man with habits that do not exclude the occasional reading of a book I do not yearn for, nor do I await any handsome hand-kissing wine-tasting silk pillow hook-a-smoker. But darling, no world traveler, in fact, or fancy, no show-off, no clothes horse. He need not necessarily be in uniform. No, dear, I but... await no clean-cut, weather-beaten, square-rigged, white duck tennis shoes, no plumed hat, no splendid insignia, no moose, elk, eagle, oddfellows, national guardsman, fire chief or highlander, he from the Arabian Nights or the French Foreign Legion. It's literally not the same song. She is talking like Harold Hill, and if everyone talks like Harold Hill, why is Marion different? It's like she's trying to sell her mother on the idea of her perfect boyfriend or whatever. It's like she's trying to like sell like a salesman sell. You know? Exactly, <laughs> which is why I stand by Sutton Foster would have been a great Harold Hill <laughs> Maybe they need to, to redo this and, and that would be progressive That we get would have the... been a take, at least yeah. Like, imagine that Like, Sutton Foster, a female Harold Hill coming into town and doing like all that stuff That would have been a big take Bring asses into the seat and give you the star-studded revival you wanted But that's not what we got no, because they took every cowardly outlook that they possibly could, and that was, now we got what we got. And once again, as I said before, it defeats the purpose of the songs fitting in with each other. Yeah, well, I mean, it's literally just a different song. Listening to them, you can barely even tell that they're supposed to be the same song. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Um, um, if I am going to be positive, they didn't kill Lida Rose for me. That song still works. 
Still my favorite song in the show, and they didn't ruin it. Good job, guys. You got it's just one point. a barbershop quartet song, though. Like, yeah, but the point counterpoint with Marion, and I did kind of like that they staged it and gave her the beat of stamping the books. There, I, I said a positive, guys. They did a good thing. One good thing. Uh, but the, okay, here's the other thing, and I didn't bring this up earlier, and I wish I had. Both they add things, but then by the time we get to like our climax, it feels like we're on a speed run to get to the end. Like. From the point that Harold is discovered to the end, it feels like everyone's just trying to get to the, get out of their scene as quick as they can. Despite they add the weirdest, weirdest new edition scene where we have Charlie, the anvil salesman, who pops up and just turns in Harold and then leaves in the original musical. Here, he makes some comment about Marion and then Harold Hill beats the shit out of him, like physically assaults yeah. him. New scene, very, very weird. It's in I I actively felt the uh the rush as well because it started getting towards like the the end of the recording, and I'm like, when is he gonna teach them how to play the, the instruments? Like, <laughs> when does that happen? And it doesn't it doesn't happen until like probably 30 seconds before the fucking show's over. <laughs> um yeah, this is not a good revival. Um I feel I feel strangely about the fact that we did this, but I felt like we were so not supposed to cover this this week. I changed this last minute because I had so much I wanted to get off my chest about this. Jess was upset. And I was. to be fair, I don't. Well, okay. So I don't think this is one of the worst things we've ever covered. No. But I think it is. The most wasted potential. Yeah, it's the most wasted potential. It took something that we know is a simple and good story. And somehow fucks it up. And it's it's like, how do you fuck up the music, man? You don't even need your lead to be a great singer in the music, man. Literally. Seth MacFarlane was right there, guys. He knows all Seth the words McFarlane already. Seth MacFarlane would actually be perfect. It's not even... <laughs> and, like, that's not saying, like, because he's a great singer or because he's, like, amazing. Mr. It's just Family like, Guy. This is such an easy win. It's an easy, easy win. And you fucked it up. And you could have had a more comedic Marion that still was able to sing. Laura Benanti exists and would probably do the role for the right money and would get asses in seats. She's been on a lot of sitcoms, probably more than Sutton Foster has. And I think I think what it really comes down to is um they didn't they didn't have a reason to do this. There's no reason that this revival exists other than the fact that they got two big stars and wanted to just make a bunch of money because they don't have a take. Yeah. There's nothing new here. This is it's literally they're just doing the old one with worse shit. <laughs> <laughs> like just make everything worse. They don't have like an actual thing to say or a new direction they wanted to take it. I know you were lukewarm on the company revival, but at least that had a take and something oh, to absolutely. say. Absolutely. The company revival, I wouldn't say had no reason to exist. <laughs> like they actually had you know something 
It's not like there was literally nothing there and it just felt like a cash grab. This actually, while I was watching it, felt like, okay, they just want to get the tourists' asses in the seats and that's it. Like, they wanted people to come and see, like, oh, what are we going to see for our Broadway show while we're visiting New York City? Oh, I know the music man. I know Hugh Jackman. We'll watch this. And they had nothing else to say. And that's okay. Like, people will be like, well, you hate classic revivals? I don't think we do. Um, Take a look at She Loves Me. That was a very traditional classic revival of an older musical with a few changes to try to make it a little bit more modern. And uh, star-studded cast. We had fucking a superhero, Shazam, as the lead. And then we had Laura Bonanti, a well-respected soprano, as like the co-lead, but also been on TV a bunch. Um, that I, I really liked that. I thought that revival was great. Yes, but they understood the show and yes. made the show correctly. This one, it's, it's beyond just they didn't have their own take on the show. They didn't even understand why the show worked in the first place. And was embarrassed that they had to put on the show was the feeling I had throughout it. They felt yeah. actively really afraid of their content. And that's a bummer because I love the music, man. Um, I kind of love it a little less. And I think I went into like my long history with it in my in our proper episode, um, which I don't know how well this will do as a, 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 a dessert after listening to that. But man. It, this just made me real sad. And I won't say The Music Man is perfect, but it was perfect at what it was trying to do. Uh, Valentine to a man's very personal connection to his hometown. And here it became a corporate tool. It's yeah. It's, the thing is, it's not a perfect show. The no. Music Man isn't perfect. It's never been like a masterpiece or anything. It's just, it's always been a very, it's like comfort food, right? It's like, it's a very simple easy to enjoy, easy to digest show, and somehow they fucked it up. <laughs> somehow they gave us food poisoning with it. <laughs> it's like they, they, they couldn't make they couldn't make the macaroni and cheese. They couldn't figure <laughs> out they, they read the instructions on the back of the craft box and they couldn't fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> they burnt it. How do you burn it? <laughs> How do you burn mac and cheese? What the, what the fuck are you doing? I, I don't think I'm gonna top that. So, Andrew... I guess that's my cheese rating as well, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I th- do you mind if I share that one? Because that was the perfect metaphor. Yeah. Um, I guess we, we I, that's my overall thoughts and cheese rating right there. We didn't even have to ask for it. I, I just, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher at Musicals with Cheese. Follow us on Twitter at Cheesy Musicals, Patreon Musicals with Cheese, Instagram Musicals with Cheese. Uh, we have a YouTube page, Musicals with Cheese, a patron-only podcast called Patreon with Cheese. Go check that out. Email us at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. Our keeper of the cheese is Julianne Antonio. Your son, ASMR, for Music Man Revival kind of sucked. This show is edited by the incredible Andrew DeWolf. Good luck with this one. Our themes are created by Robin Nash of IOU Music UK. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform and for not kicking us off for Everybody's Reading Yay! Everybody's Reading Yay! I guess we'll have to see you next time on Musicals with E. Seventy-six trombones led the big parade with a hundred and ten cornets close at hand. They were followed by rows and rows of the finest virtuosos, the cream of every famous band. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 